The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online, sometimes IGN.com. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold, and that's all you need to know. That's all I gotta know, baby. No, I, I also review films here and there. Ah. Uh, including for IGN. Yeah, yeah it's for, got, sometimes, yeah. It's got, great, right? Got a couple over there. They're nice. They're nice people. Yeah, they're good to us. Uh, this is the start of a whole new month on Cancel Too Soon. Last month, it was Monstober. We re- reviewed a whole bunch of horror movies. And I, this I, month... I wish we had a better name. You, we, you did not... <laughs> I didn't suggest anything. Didn't suggest that the was name. fine. You also didn't you, suggest the name for this theme month, which is the Justice Month of Justice. Well, I suggested an alternate, but you wouldn't have it. it so. was, well, I, I didn't like it because it, was, it wasn't like... Um, you I, suggested the Justice Month of America. Why not? <laughs> the month itself is not of America. Everyone can enjoy this month. Well, I suppose so. Yeah. Justice Month of America. Yeah. Uh, because, Justice League. Because just, there's a movie coming out this month. Yep. Murder on the Orient Express. It's all about the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, no, there's a Justice League movie. There's a live action movie based on the Justice League, the DC comic superheroes, Superman, Batman, all the rest. But not Superman. <laughs> Super they're playing coy. We they're all playing know coy. He's, he's going he's to show, show up at least at the end, right? I mean, come on. They, they've been nah. anyway. But, or, the, or the plot's going to revolve heavily around resurrecting him, like Star Trek Three. It's just going to be the search for Superman. Maybe they, I don't they're, know. They're like, going to find his corpse on the Genesis planet, and they're going to take McCoy's. We all know brain he's coming and, back. That was the last <laughs> shot of Justice. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> regardless, uh, so we decided we had a lot of requests to do more superhero shows, and uh, we're just going to do a whole bunch, and they're all going to be based off of DC comic superheroes throughout this month. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start off with starting with very appropriately mm-hmm. the failed 1997 TV pilot. For Justice League of America. We don't have a clip for this one. Oh, well, that's a pity. (laughs) Because, from what I understand, this did not air in America, but it did air in England. Oh, it aired a bunch of places. Uh, Mm. This was uh, developed for CBS, who did not pick it up. Mm -hmm. It was uh, made in 1997, and it aired in the United Kingdom. It aired in Thailand. It aired in Puerto Rico, Poland, Brazil, Uruguay, South Africa, Israel, <laughs> India, Germany, and Mexico, All but right. not in America. In fact, for a long so time... So if, if you're one of the, the citizens of those many nations, you probably saw it. Probably, Might have right? been a big, big deal at the time. Yeah, I mean, it certainly would have been a big deal for like a whole all the kids who love Justice League comics just to have that on TV in America. Mm. But uh, uh, we'll talk about why. <laughs> that maybe did not happen. Mm. Uh, but there was a time when this was, you know, you can see this online if you know where to look for it, but... There's a there's a phenomenon I realize that a lot of people in our age demographic are familiar with that is basically gone now thanks to stuff like YouTube and it's the sort of the shady comic book store 
<laughs> or like you come into the comic book store and you buy your comics and it's like, hey, have you heard about this new show called Spaced? <laughs> it's not in America it's, yet, but I have I have VHSs. Yeah, like somebody has tapes that a friend, like a cousin of theirs in England, was able to to pluck up, or yeah, yeah, and, and you are able to sort of like wink and take like borrow the tape from them and yeah, s- spread the word without anybody passing, you know, like exchanging money. Yeah, exactly. It was a weird system. And uh, but that it was, was, it was lot, great. It, it, was, yeah. it was sort of like a cult TV and film underground. Well, there is. The, the, and, that's and how the the Star Wars holiday special stayed alive. Exactly. Like it was on TV once. Someone legally recorded it and mm-hmm. then just passed it around. In fact, MST3K before Mystery Science Theater 3000 was officially on home video, they encouraged people share the tapes, mm-hmm. spread the love. That's why you see it if you see the old Mystery Science Theater credits. It even says keep circulating the tapes. Yeah, because that's the way they're getting out. They were only broadcasting. Like in Minnesota for a short while, yeah. but tapes would make their way across state lines, and people were able to sort of, sort of join the cult. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and eventually, I remember uh, reading an interview with Jim Mallon, the producer, and uh, this was when Rhino had picked up the video rights to several choice episodes, and they were like you could see Pod People or Mitchell or, or Cave Dwellers. And uh, he said, well, yeah, I'm really happy. You know, now we're finally getting this sort of nationwide distribution, and we're finally making a little scratch off of this, and. The interviewer said, well, what about the whole keep circulating the tapes? And Jim Mellon said, keep circulating some of the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones you can buy, you should buy. That, that's true. Mm. Honestly, you should buy anything you can get legally. You, you should get legally. Yeah. And again, this of was course, aired on TV throughout the world. You can indeed watch this. But it was not commonly shown because it's incredibly cheap mm. uh, and arguably not very good. Um, I'm going to argue that it is, but okay. uh, we'll 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 see why in a second. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. So the Justice League of America was uh, mm-hmm. okay. It was directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala mm-hmm. uh, or Ascala. Did I write that down weird? Okay, uh, he directed Fire Down Below. <laughs> uh, he also directed a whole bunch of episodes of ER, Battlestar Galactica, Criminal Minds, The Good Wife. He directed a bunch of episodes of Brimstone, a show I really want to get to at some point. Um, and a good, good TV veteran. And allegedly, I cannot find good sourcing on this. Uh, allegedly, Louis Teague was brought on after the fact mm. to try to make it work. Uh, Louis Teague oh, yeah. is a filmmaker you've probably heard of or seen some of his films. He did Cujo. And he did mm. Cat's Eye, and he directed, that's right, that's and he directed right. the terrible that's how I Romancing the Stone sequel, Jewel of the Nile. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen either of those movies. Yeah. I remember them being equal. Oh, like, no, like you were wrong. Like, of equal quality. You are wrong. Romancing the Stone is so much better than Jewel of the Nile. Jewel of the Nile is terrible. <laughs> Jewel of the Nile is almost unwatchable. Like, it's really bad. It's one of the worst sequels I've ever seen. In terms of, like, just the drop-off from the first film to the second film, wow. <laughs> and apparently there was a huge mess with the production. It's not necessarily everyone's fault, but my God. Hmm. Huge mess. Um, and, uh, and it is about... The Justice League of America. It's about the Justice League of America, but it's not about the famous ones. Well, I guess they couldn't... This was in 1997, and the rights to Batman were already on the big screen. This was mm-hmm. the same year as Batman and Robin. Make of that what you will. Yeah. Um, so nobody's going to touch Batman, and Warner Brothers is probably also being very ginger with Superman. They mm-hmm. don't want to do any, just sort of throw that character away. Yeah. Probably Wonder Woman as well. Those are like the three big ones. Mm-hmm. So we don't get any of them. We got all of the second and third tier characters, including ones I hadn't heard of before. Oh, that's interesting, because yeah. there's actually precedent for this. Uh, mm-hmm. In the 1980s, DC Comics had a crossover series called Crisis on Infinite Earths. I've heard about this. You've never read this? No. Okay. I, 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 didn't, I didn't read any DC Comics growing okay. up. I was, it's, uh, 
It's as, f- as friends call, were eager to call me a Marvel whore. That's fine. You're you know, there's DC, there's a. Mm. Uh, Marvel zombies and DC werewolves. You were a DC werewolf. Oh, Mar- I was, I was you a were a Marvel, Marvel. Marvel zombie. Yeah, okay. I read a, f- a few of like the high-profile Batman stories. Mm-hmm. Like I read um, The Killing Joke and The Dark Knight Returns, but right. I never got to like any actual of the serialized I was, comics. I was very much the same way until the early 2000s when I started reading more DC comics, and I eventually wound my way back to Crisis on Infinite Earths. And the idea of Crisis on Infinite Earths was... DC Comics had gotten weirdly complicated. There's a whole bunch of different versions of Batman running around Mm. and future realities where this superhero exists, but future realities where this other superhero exists. And we bought all the characters from like Charlton Comics, but (laughs) they're not in our universe. And we have Captain Mm. Marvel, but he's in his own universe. And they were just like, we got to condense this. We got to make it simpler. So Marvel needs to do this right now. They've tried doing it multiple times and DC has done it again relatively recently. And so they created a huge crossover event, say goodbye to a lot of these characters, kill off characters, (laughs) make some new characters, um, and at the end, the DC universe would be condensed. All the characters we want are existing in the same universe, they're the only one of their kind, with some exceptions, which got really confusing, but I digress. But afterwards, they rebooted everything. There was a new Superman comic, there was a new Mm. Batman comic, and when they did a new Justice League comic, it is my understanding that the idea was, we want to do a Justice League comic... But we want to stay out of the way of what they're doing in Superman and Batman. We want those comics to be able to do whatever they want Mm -hmm. and not be tied into this superhero story. So they gave uh, Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis the the job of, we want you to do Justice League without any of the Justice League. So it's it's called the Justice League, but it's all new characters. It was Justice League International. And the idea was that they were going to... It's like Avengers West Coast. No, it was more like like the uh, Avengers if they worked for the U.N., and Sorry. so there was. it was an international organization, and it consisted of relatively minor superheroes. Batman was in the first few issues, then he was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martian Manhunter stuck around as sort of the face of the original team, mm-hmm. but then it consisted of relatively smaller characters or side characters, like not the popular Green Lantern, but Guy Gardner, the Green a, Lantern. A different Green Lantern. A different Green Lantern. There's characters named Fire and Ice. I've never heard of Fire and Ice. There was Blue and, Beetle and, and Booster Gold. You know, like these, these were minor characters. We, 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 need to, we need to pause for a minute. I think everybody's has to catch their breath after hearing the name Booster Gold. Booster Gold and his lovable robot sidekick Skeets. <laughs> That, that, That's, that this, was this is, long this before. Is real. This is real, by the way. It was some, long some, before that word got reappropriated. Some comic book author, presumably high on a lot of cocaine, decided to come up with a character named Booster Gold and give him a robot sidekick named Skeets. If you watch the Justice League Unlimited, there was a great Booster Gold episode in which Skeets is voiced by Billy West. Uh, Futurama. Oh. Uh, and I believe Booster Gold is um, Tom Everett Scott from That Thing You Do. Oh, that's funny. Like, it's actually a really funny episode. All the Justice League are f- off fighting this giant monster, and Booster Gold is like stuck on crowd control, and no one will let him do anything. Because <laughs> he's Booster Gold. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> so, But they, what they did was they realized that no one was going to take this too seriously, because there's all these really minor characters, and so they made a more comedic Justice League. Okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of witty banter. There's mm-hmm. a lot of funny situations, and when, that, when was this this comic? What, late eighties. Late okay. So th- this has been around for a while, but then that is the genesis for Justice League 1997. That is the Justice League that we so, get yeah. here. This is a wackier, more sitcom like mm-hmm. uh, Justice League of America. And the irony here, and I think one of the reasons why this this wasn't working at the time, this was already around the time when DC Comics was moving away from that. 
and bring the Justice League back to the core pantheon of superheroes. It's kind of odd because in the late 80s when the Justice League was getting sillier, that's when Tim Burton's Batman hit the big screen. Yep. And that's when people started to see Batman, uh, like the population at large, started to see Batman as this more kind of broody, gothic character as Mm -hmm. opposed to uh, the the Adam West type of characters, like riding missiles and fighting giant pennies and stuff. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why Batman was, he was there to sort of usher it in, make Mm. sure people read the comic as Batman was in it, and then he was out the door because he didn't fit. So people were trying to really hip hip themselves to the jibe of uh, dark, broody Batman. Yeah. But of course, by '97, even Batman wasn't dark and broody anymore. It was big and silly. Well, they in tried the Joel, and people in the Joel re- Schumacher movies, and uh, people rejected those movies. Well, so. Batman Forever did okay, but by Batman and Robin, people outright rejected it. Yeah, they, they went way too far. Like it was sort of lavish and uh, almost like a Las Vegas stage show. Yeah, in yeah. Batman and Robin, but by by Batman Forever, but in Batman and Robin, it was like Batman on ice. Literally, yeah, it was just lame. Batman and Robin is like garish and terrible. Uh, I mean, yeah. we don't we don't need to bully on that one. We're, it's, we're, it's taken quite enough yeah but yeah i guess into this marketplace came justice league of america which yep. featured the characters of uh ones you know like the green lantern uh there was mm-hmm. the flash green lantern the guy gardner green uh, green lantern not the one from the not one. hal jordan not the not yeah. the original the 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 or not not the popular space cop with the magic ring original anyway yeah, because there was an original before that, like the, well, the spectery okay. guy with the actual lantern. Yeah, fair enough. Um, then there was also the Atom, which was a character I was unfamiliar with, who's a, a shrinking superhero. That's right. I don't know why comic book writers keep going back to shrinking. It's like the least practical superpower one can have. There's, there, here's and the, the first time we see him using his shrinking power in Justice League of America, he's pulling on a cattail. Oh, and, and that's it's kind of hilarious. That's a joke being silly. You know, there's different kinds of. Um, Different superheroes might have the same powers, but they use them in different ways. For mm-hmm. example, the Flash has, is super fast, and he's so fast he can travel through time. Whereas Quicksilver in the Marvel Universe is super fast, but he can't do that. Like, he's less yeah. powerful than that. Um, when, when did the travel through time thing start? Because I don't, I don't think that was originally, like, he was just a fast guy originally. It really didn't he? take long. It really okay. didn't take that long. Not, it, it's been there like, for decades. And now he can just travel. So, does he Does he travel on Earth? Like, does he yeah. run through? Because he couldn't reach uh, the speed of light traveling through an oxygen atmosphere. He has. He'd have to comics. be in the vacuum of space. Hang on. Okay. He has a cosmic treadmill. Okay, so he can run in place. Yeah. But he's not traveling at the speed of light then. He's just moving real fast. Well, the, I guess his legs would be of, the traveling. The treadmill is super fast. So the, the treadmill travels him through space? The treadmill gives him uh, a, a safe place to run so fast he can travel through through time. Okay. Yeah. So it's like just a... it's like treadmill. A, it's like a pocket hallway that he can run fast down. Kind of, yeah. re- Reach 88 miles per hour and travel through time. What do you want time. from me? <laughs> I didn't write it. <laughs> this is what I got. I want you some. Ha- I want some science in the Flash. You asked the question. Damn it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, uh, and but we, no, but, but we also had, hang, we also had fire and ice. Uh, right. No, no, no. I was trying to explain to you the way, how the atom worked because yeah. there's little shrinky guys and they can just kind of run around like Doll Man in the in the mm. full moon movies. The atom in the comics could shrink down to like at, at the atomic level. Mm. So like there are gags that he would do where like he would call someone and he would travel through the phone line. Okay. And just end up on the other side of the planet. Like right. he, so that was actually like kind of a cool like one because like, he could do really neat stuff. So he could like hitch a ride on an electron yeah. and just travel. Okay. Yeah. So that's actually kind of cool. Whereas Ant Man can't do that. Ant Man can just be kind of small. Yeah. So like it's a it's a <laughs> well I guess he can do that in the movie, but then he goes down too far and it's a thing. But like 
Regardless, that was the idea. So we got uh, the atom. We have fire and ice. One of them has fire powers. One of them has ice powers. Try but to the, guess which one. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not like sisters or anything, though. Just that's pure coincidence. The, one has fire powers and one has ice power. In fact, this is uh, told from the perspective largely of. Uh, the, ice. the character who's to become ice. Yeah. Because uh, she gets her power. She's the only one who has an origin story in this one. Uh, yeah. We have Martian Manhunter, who is the leader of the team. And uh, la- uh, lastly, we have the Flash, mm-hmm. uh, who is Barry Allen in this version. And he's uh, just kind of a dopey guy. He, who can't hold down a job. Yeah, that's the gag. And now, the, the dynamic between these characters is that they're essentially the characters from Friends. They all kind of live together. Mm-hmm. They all kind of bicker. They all talk about their relationship and job problems. Some of them used to date. Yeah, and they, they, that, they, that they kind of bickering. They kind of flirt a little bit. There's one epi- There's one part where they can't, uh, their TV is broken, so they can't watch Touched by an Angel. So mm-hmm. the Adam has to come in and try to rewire the TV, but he electrocutes himself. Mm-hmm. And then they have to bring in a repair guy who just uses a stick of chewing gum. Which ends up being a framing device. That ends up being important <laughs> later. Holy hell. Why? Why they, is that? Because they use it gum to fix a spaceship later on in the, the episode. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's really it. They, there is a supervillain. It's the Weatherman. Which is, funnily enough, we haven't talked about the cast yet. I'll get into that in a minute. Right. The Weatherman is a supervillain who can control the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh I believe the Weatherman he's, is... He's got a widget. He doesn't do it with his brain. Yeah. But... The Weatherman, I believe, is a, a, a direct takeoff of a DC supervillain called the Weather Wizard. Okay. Who, in the Superman animated series, was voiced by Miguel Ferrer. How strange. Because in the live-action version, <laughs> he's, vo- he's, he's voiced and performed by, with his whole body, <laughs> Miguel, Miguel Ferrer. Ferrer. The late, amazing Miguel Ferrer. You know him from Twin Peaks, and we reviewed the fantastic show he was on uh, with the other David Lynch show mm. he was on on the air. We reviewed mm. that last year, and that show really needs a revival. If people uh, need to bring that back. Yeah, Miguel Ferrer, like, he's clearly the get. He's like the, well, him and David Ogden Stiers are like the two big gets for this one. Um, mm. David Ogden Stiers plays the Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he was on MASH. He was the voice of you, Cotsworth you know in Beauty is, and the Beast. Yeah. You don't know who he is. He's one of those oh. character actors. Okay, no, I'm, I'm not nice taking it for granted. He's done a lot of voice work. He was right. in Beauty and the Beast. He was in Lilo and Stitch, Atlantis the Lost Empire, and you probably know him best in live action from the TV show MASH. Yeah. He's, yeah. But he's been doing everything for many decades. Mm. And uh, roommate of Roger Ebert. No kidding. Yeah, they lived together briefly. Huh. Or, or, or they went to school. One of those. Eh. Just they know, they knew each other. Did you know that uh, David Lynch was roommates with Jay Giles of uh, Angels of Centerfold fame? I, yeah, I, I had heard that. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Apparently David Lynch kicked Jay Giles out for being too weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm filming this desiccated cat. Are you you're being? Are you going to be strange over there? You're being weird. Um, okay, let's do a couple other noteworthy uh, people on the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, so... Uh, Ice is played by Kimberly Oya. She was on Son of the Beach uh, mm. for a while. Uh, that was a sh- that was a show. Remember that it was this weird Baywatch knockoff. Um, and she was in she was on the OC, and she was in a movie called Switch, and she was oh, in a okay. video game called Double Switch, which are completely unrelated. I was about to say Switch is the Blake Edwards film. Yeah, Double Switch is like a Corey Haim Sega CD game. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Um, let's see what we got here. Guy Gardner is played by Matthew Settle, who is on Gossip Girl, Band of Brothers, and he was in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. I, I ha- got him and the guy who plays The Flash mixed up okay. when they weren't in costume. Well, Barry Allen is played by Kenny Johnston, who had a kind of a lot of roles, but never really had like a big one. Mm-hmm. His other biggest claim to fame was on a Cancel Too Soon sitcom we might get to someday called Teach, but it's spelled with two E's. Teach. It's like a sitcom about school. 
Um, <laughs> let's see what we got here. Uh, Fire is played by Michelle Hurd, and she's... Fire. And she, <laughs> I am the god of hellfire. Yeah. Um, and she's a, she's actually doing rather well right now. She's on Blind Spot, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Oh, cool. She's got a regular role in a lot of the Marvel uh, Netflix shows. Okay. As I think she's a cop or district and attorney. She and she was clearly hired to be like the the babe of the series. Mm-hmm. Like she's the sex appeal. Um, she's well, she's treated I guess, I guess that her, way. People, her, her she, and uh, the the. Green Lantern character. Those are like the two babes. Yeah, those show. are because, and you can tell because I, they had like a relationship together, mm-hmm. and I think you're supposed to want them to mm-hmm. get together because and they I, bicker so much. And, and I, I point them out as such because these were popular types at the time. Mm-hmm. There was always like one who was always meant to be the hot one on the show. Yeah, uh, and, and go, coming from stuff like Friends or just any show, really. There's yeah. this whole dynamic. And Fire, uh, her character when her secret identity is actually an actor. So Mm -hmm. they are indeed trying to make her seem glamorous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see what we got here. And And uh, the the Atom is played by... Oh my God, how great (laughs) is this? In in live action and not doing a voice... John Kassir. John Kassir. You know John Kassir... John, Whether or not you know John Kassir. John Kassir is probably best known as playing the voice of the Crypt Keeper on Tales from the Crypt. Yes, he is. Um, and, he'll show, and he does every horror convention there is. Like, mm-hmm. he'll MC everything doing that Crypt Keeper voice. I'm worried he's sick of it, but he's still doing it. It's well, steady work, still doing this Crypt Keeper voice. And, uh, uh, and he also took over for the voice of Buster Bunny in the later episodes of Tiny Toon Adventures. That's true. When Charlie Adler left. That's true. And more mm. recently, he was the voice of the dragon in Pete's Dragon, the remake. Although the dragon didn't speak. It just sort of made dragon noises. Well, yeah, but you know, he still but yeah, did, did it. Yeah. You know. Like, okay, it was the voice. He was the vocal quality. Yeah, he did the uh, he did the vocals for the dragon. There you go. Um, and uh, we already talked about Miguel Ferrer. Uh, one other somewhat notable member of the cast uh, is Elisa Donovan. She plays Guy Gardner's uh, girlfriend who keeps breaking who, up with him. And who wears the worst 1997 costume. It's not great. It's 19, not... 1997 was a dark, dark, dark year for women's fashion. That's where you had, like, the orange plaid pants with the chartreuse silk tank tops and like the frosted pink lipstick with your hair tied into like 300 little tiny ponytails. See, I thought that looked neat. It's <laughs> a bad look. Go back. We, we saw Hot Springs my, Hotel. My, my theory is this. <laughs> if it looked good in Tank Girl, uh, it looked good everywhere. It didn't look good here. <laughs> well, in any so, case, yeah. Elisa Donovan, you know her from Clueless. Uh, you know her from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And she was in, and I really want to track these down. Mm-hmm. She was in a uh, uh, a series of TV movies <laughs> called. I'm going to go in order here. Okay. The dog who saved Christmas. Okay. The, the dog, dog who ruined Christmas. No, no. All right. The dog who saved Christmas vacation. The movie. No, that would be kind of fun. Like Saved he, the movie Christmas he, he Vacation. He returned it to the video store. No, uh, he, he's on set on the production and it's about to shut down, but the dog <laughs> puts on a Chevy Chase suit and makes it work. I'd watch that and you'd watch that. Hey, he did Oh Heavenly Dog, Chevy Chase. He'll do anything. It continues. The dog who saved Halloween. Okay. The dog who saved the holidays. All of them. Yeah. And then, and I think they made a mistake, but I think they jumped the gun to holidays. Because right. after that, the dog who saved Easter. Well, I guess... That's, that's Easter one of the was holidays. not included. I guess they they forgot Easter in their in their rush to save all the others. And then mo- I saved Succot, but I forgot Easter. And then most recently, uh-huh. the dog who saved summer, the whole season, whole season. And I really want to know what this dog is going to save next. Obviously, we have to get the Valentine's Day. I mean that that makes well, perfect I, sense. I we got to do Valentine's. The dog Day. that saved the president seems like a, a pretty no. That's too political. Extension. We want to keep this just fun and seasonal. Like the dog who saved autumn. 
<laughs> like it wasn't going to be autumn, and then the dog fixed it. The dog who saved back to school. <laughs> and the kids all hate the dog. <laughs> the dog who saved talk like a pirate dead. <laughs> I would watch that. You would watch that. That yeah. sounds like a great movie. The dog who saved William Shatner's birthday. Uh, and then we do a crossover with Rot Realty. There you go. William Shatner plays his, plays his lawyer character from Boston from uh, Boston Legal. Boston Legal, yeah. Done. We've, we've saved media. And the, the, the dog from Rot Realty has to defend the dog that failed to save a holiday. <gasps> this is why we don't have Arbor Day anymore. <laughs> don't you miss Arbor Day? The dog was trying to save Arbor Day and failed, and now, now he's in court. The dog who saved Leap Year. <laughs> the whole year's gone. God. The dog who saved the 20th century. It's uh, a Doctor Who plot and lurking in there. All right, we're getting uh, off track. Uh, anyway, to, <laughs> to the Justice League of America. So Okay. Uh, so this so show... Da- oh, and we forgot David Krumholtz. Oh, how could we forget David Krumholtz? Uh, no, but uh, David, David Krumholtz is such a great actor. He's Just really such charming. Such a wonderful performer. David Krumholtz. You know David Krumholtz? Uh, he was Bernard in The Santa Claus. Uh, he was on the TV show Numbers for basically mm. ever. Uh, he was in 10 Things I Hate About You. He's one of those guys where every time we see him in a movie, it's like, oh, this scene's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. And, he always and, brings it. God, a friend of mine had like a burning crush on David Krumholtz for a few, like a year there. Because they're human. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good looking, charming man. Yeah, done. <laughs> Problem solved. He had a really great role in an episode of, Fre- or a couple episodes of Freaks and Geeks. Oh, okay. I mean, still haven't seen Freaks and Geeks. Well, that's all right. We'll get to it. We, we, we will get to <laughs> it. We will get to it. We have a couple of like big episodes we mm. got to do. Um, like we have a hundredth anniversary coming up in a few months, so <laughs> well, like we'll, we'll we'll do like we'll my, do my so-called life at that point. My so-called know? life, Briscoe County Junior, Freaks mm. and Geeks, the big ones, the one, the ones we get the most requests, and for. the ones that we hold off on because if we did them all now, you'd all leave us. <laughs> you would flee like sheep from a starving wolf. <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> wait, what? I don't know. I'm just trying to imagine people fleeing. All right, like every just just chaos reigns. <laughs> And everyone's just like, no, well, they did Freaks and Geeks. I've lost interest. Boom. I've just been waiting for Freaks and Geeks. I don't want to hear another episode about Drac Pack. Sybil Shepard and Bruce Willis had sex. I'm not watching Moonlighting anymore. (laughs) Done. Anyway, to Justice League. Okay, so Justice League has a framing device, which I suspect was added in post, but... Uh, they have a bunch of testimonials, all of the superheroes mm. in the show talking off cameras if they're making a documentary about it. And this is not before that was a common device on television. It, it was it was for, a, for scripted shows anyway. Yeah, it, like it The was, Office, like that's a common thing you see in The Office. But like in 1997, this was not a common thing. Because yeah, reality, t- reality TV as we know it hadn't wasn't a thing quite yet. It, it was like, nascent. We had, we had stuff like The Real World, and that's clearly what they were trying to emulate. Yeah. It was MTV's The Real World. And they give it sort of this like realistic approach mm. uh, to the characters. We're just going to have characters hang out. And that makes sense. I suspect a lot of the testimonials were also improvised. You can tell, especially when there's several actors on camera together, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like bantering and the way they move their bodies. You can tell they're kind of improvising. It's, and it's pretty awkward, too. Like, it's, it's, it, it should have been scripted. I think, or, I think or really they should have been like improv comedians. I mean, these are capable enough actors, but yeah. you know, hire actually you know people known for improv because it's basically just like, yeah, it's really hard to be a fire starter. You know, you set your Christmas tree on fire. Mm. That's it. That's yeah. all we got. I'm like, well, yeah. And the, the, there's not like an emotional beat. She just says, "And I set my Christmas tree on fire." And, uh, and like there's I a s- bit where they're talking to John Cassier, and they said, "Well, and." 
sometimes I like hiccup and parts of my body will stay small. And we think he's going to make a penis joke, uh-huh. but he doesn't. He says, and there's this one part where my, my throat, like my vocal cord stayed small and I had a small voice and I know he's a voice actor and I'm waiting for him to crack out with like a little voice and he doesn't do it. It's really it's super upsetting. Weird. Yeah. Um, Parts of these are kind of funny. There's a cute bit where uh, the Adam and Ice and I, I are kind of bonding and talking about the fun that they have with their superpowers. Mm-hmm. And Ice was just like, yeah, this one time uh, he shrank down and I froze him inside an ice cube and we put him inside someone's drink so that when they took the drink, he just went really big and went, rawr! <laughs> and I'm like, hey, that's pretty funny. That's a fun, that's a fun <laughs> that's prank. Pretty, that's a cute bit. But then you look at like movies, for example, that have done this exact same thing in the superhero mold, stuff like The Incredibles. Mm. Or uh, even The Specials, which is written by James Gunn and has a very similar vibe. Mm. Um, they're so much funnier. They're just funnier things. <laughs> yeah, like you yeah, hear yeah. like uh, uh, Judy Greer um, in The Specials talk about the worst part about raising the dad is that sometimes when you fall asleep, they eat the soft parts of your face. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Judy Greer, you made that palpable. Thank you. And, and I, either that's funny scripted or Judy Greer just has a weird sense of humor. And I, I like to think it's the latter. I like to think it's both, honestly. Okay. Those are funny people who, who made those movies. But the basic plot is uh, there's a Tori Olaf's daughter. She's ice, or she will be ice. Mm. She works at a weather institute in Metro. I'm oh, sorry, New, New Metro. Metro. Which is not the same as Metro, which is where the police academy hang out. Mm. Or Metro City, which I feel like we've seen somewhere. Is that where the defenders of Dinatron City lived? No, that no, was... they lived in Dinatron City. That was that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Have some more coffee, dear. Um, yes, I do need some more coffee. No, I, I just had a bunch of caffeine, so I can think clearly. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I, D, that's something that's always kind of bugged me about DC, and mm-hmm. one of the reasons when I was a teenager I made those stupid DC versus Marvel arguments, mm-hmm. which is such a stupid argument to have. It's, it's but, a silly concern. But when, but when you're 14, this is really important. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I always liked that Spider-Man tools around New York. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of most of the Marvel universe takes place in New York City. Right. And uh, I think when I, whereas DC takes place in, like, kind of avatars for known cities, like Gotham City is... It's New York. It's New York. That's what Gotham was referred to originally. It's like outside of Manhattan, whereas Metropolis is Manhattan proper. Yeah. Kind of, like, they're both New Actually, York. Actually, uh, I believe Metropolis was originally based on Toronto. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, because okay. uh, um, I forget which which one of the creators of, of uh, Superman was actually uh, a Jewish Canadian mm. who had uh, immigrated to uh, okay. uh, New York. So, yeah. Uh, but regardless, they were, they were stand-ins. And I think... Again, I was with you on that when I was a kid. It's was like, well, Marvel superheroes are real because they're in New York. And I kind of like, actually, once you really immerse yourself in DC Comics, mm. what they're able to do by having a fictional city. Because you get to give the city more personality. Yeah. You get to give the city uh, uh, unique features that you can't find in New York. Because if you did them in New York, people would say, like, well, that's not real. Mm-hmm. So Gotham City can be this gothic wasteland. <laughs> because if you called it New York and you depicted New York as a gothic wasteland, people mm. would be like, hey... We live there. That's nice. That's that's Jersey. What are you talking about? We don't about? have evil clowns running around everywhere. You're right. That is Jersey. No, well, I'm kidding. Actually, in, in, in Dawn of Justice, it was. Like, mm. Metropolis was New York, and then just across the river, Jersey was Gotham City. I mean, basically, so, yeah, it was. More yeah. or less. That's kind of like the dynamic, anyway, thought, they were going for. I thought it was weird when Christopher Nolan decided that Gotham City was Chicago. It was a little odd. It was really, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. you got to pick a city, I guess. But, mm. like, really? Okay. Interesting choice. That's, that's, the, that's the look they wanted. 
Anyway, Ice works at a meteorological institute, mm. and she works under Miguel Ferrer, who is the head meteorologist, and he's and trying he's, to get more funding, and that's and, the plot. And even though he's played by Miguel Ferrer, he's actually a kind, warm, approachable, very encouraging boss. Yeah. And I like that they de- didn't flirt once. Like, she's flattered by the attention. She likes that her mm. boss is, like, helping her along, but it's not. there's no sexual dynamic I got the them. impression in their first scene, because there's a scene where she bumps into him, mm. and papers fly everywhere, and he helps her pick him up and then she looks up and she's kind of like stammering a little bit Mm. i got the impression that maybe she has a slight crush on him Mm. and that he acknowledges that crush and he wants to be supportive but you're right he never takes advantage of it Mm. he never asks her out he calls he refers to her as beautiful but only in a litany of other praises yeah you're a beautiful educated uh talented promising Mm. person at this business and i'm like okay Okay. It's, and not not as a way to come on to her. Yeah, so so, like, so that's fine. Of course, he's evil. We find out, but uh, <laughs> because he's Miguel Ferrer, he can't play a straight man. But I, I, we'll talk about this because they try to hide that in a way that is at first obvious, and then they do one thing I think is kind of interesting. Um, but then there's like a huge hurricane. It's going to be the first hit hurricane ever to hit New Metro. It's a big mm-hmm. deal, and the Justice League. Already established. Already established. Already in the city. People know who they are. Mm. We, we meet them in little moments of their life. The Adam is teaching a, a course at a college. Uh, the Guy Gardner or, or is a on, high school. Is it a high school? I think so. Well, and he has to leave the class, and he says, "Hey, you, star student, get up here and teach." And the star student says, "Well, like he says one word, well, and then he's pelted with papers." And he's and like, "All right, like, class dismissed." And class he's like, dismissed. "All right, class dismissed. That's it." <laughs> I got the impression that was a TA, and they were at college, but whatever. Oh. It, it's neither here nor there. Uh, Fire was at a an audition to be part of like a Fruit of the Loom commercial where everyone was mm. dressed up as uh, giant fruits and vegetables. And she had to come in costume, which was Oh yeah, she was odd, a banana, but, uh, which is really mm. weird. And that's where she meets David Krumholtz, mm, uh, who, who is has, working there. Who has a huge crush on her. Yes, and we need to talk about how weird that is. Uh, not that it's weird that he has a crush on her, it's weird how it plays out. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to think, uh, who else? So Guy Gardner is in the middle of a date. He had to leave his last date mm. uh, with Cheryl... Uh, because of some superhero-related emergency, but he can't tell her. So he's trying to make it up to her, this big, lavish, uh, romantic, oh, shit, there's a hurricane, I gotta go. Mm. All right. Um, And Barry Allen is uh, getting thrown out of his apartment because he can't (laughs) hold a job. And uh, they all team up, and they all... Tell you what, you're the Flash. Deliver pizzas. And he gets a paper route later in the, they, in the episode. Well, they address so. it. It's actually not a paper route. He's a, he's a male delivery guy. Or male, yeah. Okay, but he man. makes all the other male delivery guys look bad, so they fire him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, like, wrecked the grading curve. Mm. Which is actually, I always like that. I always like the irony of Barry Allen is that he's the fastest person alive. But because he's the fastest person alive, he tries to multitask so much that he is inevitably late for something important. That's really funny. And it's a funny right. little bit of irony, and it always it always makes me smile. I'm like, mm. yeah, okay, fair enough. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of someone who has to multitask a lot, I can appreciate that. Um, they all come together. Uh, Barry Allen runs in the opposite direction of the hurricane to undo which, the hurricane. I'm which like, happens in the pilot of the newest version of The Flash. It sure does. And that's yeah. an old Flash trope. Flash yeah, has done that yeah. forever. Although it's a hurricane, I don't know if that's exactly how that works with a hurricane. A tornado, I'm willing to buy on a comic book level. I'm pretty oh. sure running around in a circle isn't going to unmake a hurricane i feel like well, that's it, it, it did have a funnel and he ran around the, the wind funnel so i was able to dissipate but they didn't it somehow, call it a tornado but... though is my point yeah it, 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 it's a tornado but they call it a hurricane fine um and uh, uh that's basically that uh it turns out that oh, there's and, someone and, uh, and fire oh no later on is later on fire the hail. Does thing. yeah yeah turns out there's a guy called the weatherman mm. and he's holding the city to ransom He's trying to, and uh, uh, he's got a cloth over his face and yeah. sunglasses, and, and speaks spooky. with a, a spooky, yeah. uh, voice distorter thing. Speaks in creepy videos, like in the movie Hackers. Mm. Um, and 
the Justice League, and indeed ICE, realized that's probably someone who works at the Meteorological Institute because that's where people who know a lot about meteorology go. Well, and, and they've been working on something similar, something that can kind of manipulate the weather mm-hmm. a little bit. Somebody's clearly invented the widget fr- and stolen it from the Institute and yeah. now is wreaking havoc. So ICE is sort of poking around. She isn't ICE yet, and she finds a big suitcase full of superhero stuff. <laughs> and then she spills a bottle of water on it, and it splashes her with blue stuff. Mm. And then she walks away, and she started freezing things. Like, the whole room freezes behind her. And yeah. in uh, what is a pretty good freeze effect for for a TV show that clearly had no budget. Yeah. Like, they did that sort of layering effect, but they used just, like, Christmas tree flocking. Like, it's something you can do at home with a, a, yeah, a, a VHS but, camera. But it reads. But, yeah, it, re- it reads fine. It looks fine. It yeah, looks great, exactly. actually. And she, like, she gets on the news because um, while she's walking, she's leaving this, like, trail of ice behind her and like a skateboarder sp- slips on it mm. falls into a river she reaches in to try to grab him and the river freezes which saves him and he thinks that's cool and then but of course wh- if he's frozen from his nipples down you'd think he'd like freeze to death pretty quickly but he can't feel that so he's still happy <laughs> <laughs> fine in any case he's fine and uh, it gets on the news and the just are like oh there's a new uh, maybe this is the weather man maybe there's something so they have to investigate who this person is mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. Which is a great way to get them together. Like, she doesn't just sort of stumble into their path. She also has weather powers, and if the bad guy has weather powers, why not? Good good, good way to bring bring us and her into the fold. It makes perfect sense. Mm. Like, it's... Good good basic screenwriting. Yeah, uh, so they, uh, the Justice League responds, they figure out it's her, Mm -hmm. uh, and they kidnap her. More or less, yeah. Yeah, they kidnap her, and they take her into their underground lair, where they, like, speak spookily to her, Mm. and really freak her out, and see if she has superpowers, and then she wakes up thinking maybe it was all a dream, and I'm just like, that's not cool. Well, there's a lot, there's a, uh, near the end, when they say, hey, do you want to join the, this is at the end of the episode, they say, hey, why don't you join the Justice League? We know she's going to. And she says, sure, I'll join your Justice League. Why not? I'm ice. Oh, and you made me a costume. How wonderful. And, uh, she asks as they're walking out, what would you have done if I said no? And the Adam just sort of laughs and pats her on the back. <laughs> you don't want to know that. Okay. Like I, rather, rather darkly he says, and I'm guessing they have like some sort of memory eraser and they used it on her already. That so, was actually yeah. a big plot point in the, in the comics at one point was that the justice League were erasing people's memories. Okay. But that is a human rights violation. And it actually split up like the entire DC universe over it because like, because like Superman was okay with it and they're just like dude what you can't do that (laughs) I don't I want my super superhero identity known um but that actually brings I was gonna wait till the end of the episode to bring that up Mm. but that line for me and that whole scene when Ice finally becomes a member of the team and they're all like they just walk into her house they're not even invited Mm. they walk into her house they tell us you're part of the Justice League now we have made you a special costume and if you and when she says okay I'll do it ha now mm. yay and if you ever leave us we'll have to kill you and i'm like this is not the story of a superhero team this is a story of a superhero cult <laughs> if you think about it think about this mm. this is a story about a whole bunch of people super happy all the time even though it's implausible they live together they kind of they treat the martian manhunter who's an alien from space as a worshipped icon, I think him mm. as a father figure. They uh, believe he, in him in every he, capacity. He's the leader. He's the one who gives them the assignments. He, they, they talk to him via TV yeah. or or also via the Green Lantern's ring. Yeah, and, um, and his name is, and I know this predates all the horror, but his name is John Jones, okay. Martian Manhunter, which does remind you of Jim Jones. 
<laughs> I know Martian Manhunter predates that, but it does fuel my theory. I think this is like this weird little mm. cult. Anytime someone finds out about the cult, they have to like put them aside. Mm. And it really kind of unlocks this whole thing. It makes it creepier. But yeah, it, only, it's the only way this kind of makes sense to me because well, they're I, way too happy all the time. I saw this as uh, a an antidote to sort of the broody Batman that had been going on for the previous seven years. Sure, I can appreciate a- that. And also, um, this was the '90s, so a lot of this sort of superhero stuff was also being deconstructed a lot. We talked mm-hmm. about this uh, when we talked about Defenders of Donatron City. How mm-hmm. a lot of the superhero tropes were so familiar that by the '90s we felt a need to sort of pick them apart a little bit and dissect it and see how it worked rather than play it straight. And so I think this was a way of not playing it straight, just sort of pointing out some of the, the weird cultish undertones Mm -hmm. was perhaps their attempt to really kind of shed light on how a superhero team really is kind of a cult unto itself. Anyway, I feel like hopefully they would have explored that a little bit, but I think it's too subversive. Mm. I think you'd be calling out the Justice League as some sort of negative thing. I feel like this is probably an accident, but it's the only way this thing makes sense to me. And if you ever get a chance to watch this, if you ever seek it out, mm. think of that mindset. Think of it as them recruiting ice into a cult and the entire thing blooms like a flower. <laughs> All of a sudden makes sense. But the thing is, they have their own superpowers. What is the cult promising them? Like, it doesn't say, like, you'll, you'll be wealthy or you'll, you'll have a Only special be- people are invited life. into the yeah. cult. I guess. Well, it's more like a. It's more like but a that's clubhouse. A thing. You're special. You're yeah. special. Come into our. Come it, it, to it's our not club. so complex as a cult. It's more like a clubhouse. It's well, more with, like you know, non superheroes not allowed. Stay away. We have our own apples. If there was that level of fun to it, but again, they worship at the feet of Martian Manhunter. Mm. He's he's a green alien god. Why not? He's not a god. <laughs> he's a man hunter. He hunts men. Does yeah. that mean he hates humans? I imagine so. Like, does he have human? I, I'm, I'm unclear on the Martian Manhunter. Does he? Does he hunt men? Uh, honestly, I never thought it was a particularly good name for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, or is he like the Martian Man, also a hunter? No, he was the Martian Manhunter. I, I just right. think it's an odd title for him. But yeah, he's he's actually like a very positive uh, portrayal of an, the immigrant experience. And he comes mm. to America. He's, he's actually, depending on the version of the character, he could be like a political refugee or the last member of a dying race, much like Superman. Um, and he comes to Earth and he loves Earth. And he wants to adapt to Earth and he wants to protect Earth. Mm. And Even though he's like a puffy green guy. Well, he's a shapeshifter, so he can like, you know, right. he can impersonate <clears throat> a human being very, very easily. He can adapt to this new culture very, very mm. easily. Um, but uh, that's the gist of it. But he, like, he was a detective in, I think, some of his other uh, incarnations mm. as a human. So I guess that's where Manhunter comes from. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so Martian Manhunter sounds like a villain name to me. Doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the Martian Manhunter, they realize that Ice doesn't know anything and that she's not the weatherman. So they let her free. And the Martian Manhunter goes to her work the next day impersonating Miguel Ferrer mm-hmm. uh, to see if she knows anything about it. And it's actually kind of clever because it really makes it so that she doesn't suspect Miguel Ferrer mm-hmm. because she sees Miguel Ferrer trying to solve the weatherman mystery. Right. Um, there's another, there's a total red herring in the office named Arliss. Who's also it's just like a sniveling suck up character who we suspect of villainy. Who yeah. He, he works anywhere. late at night. He must be a bad guy. It's like, no, he probably is just well, trying we, to overachieve, which leads to kind of a funny scene where they corner that guy on a porch and they say, ha, we fought, we caught you super villain and we've caught your device too. And they pull the device out of a cardboard box and he says, what is this thing? <laughs> it's a weather predictor. It works 70% of the time. <laughs> Okay, you're not the man we're looking for. I'm sorry I'm the Flash and I'm standing on a porch in the suburbs. That looks pretty absurd. Um, The weatherman strikes again, and this time he's attacking the city with hail. 
mm-hmm. and Green Lantern like has to leave his date with Cheryl, come back as Green Lantern to save Cheryl. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl's like, "Oh, Wait, you're so much better than my boyfriend." I like he was just here, and his mask covers nothing of his face. It's it's one of those masks that just covers like your cheekbones and around your eyes. He has even has the same hairdo. Like, and listen, I'm actually like a lot of people are, like really down on those masks, and I'm like, if you don't know the guy mm-hmm. and he has nondescript features. Then just having a big distraction on your face is probably going to be enough to get you out of a police lineup. Yeah, the, the but problem if you is, know the person well, they're going to know it's you. The problem is the way they do it on TV is they don't have like one of those big party masks that doesn't really fit your face. It's sort of formless. They have these things that are shaped on the actors' faces. They're mm-hmm. like these rubber appliances now, so it doesn't change anything about their face. Like think of Robin's mask in the Joel Schumacher movies. Yeah, which is this little black rubber thing that's clearly like pasted very carefully on Chris O'Donnell's well, I mean, face. It's spirit gum, but like, I've had spirit gum on me, and let me tell you something, you sweat enough, it's gonna fall off. Uh, the, well, I'm sure he has, like, you know, bat spirit gum, which is gonna <laughs> stick on extra, extra well, and he has to use bat spirit gum remover to get it off. My point is, they're so well-formed that it's not disguising their face, it's just accentuating features. It's essentially lavish makeup at that point. And this one's a little bulkier, because this is a cheap show, they can't afford, like, the the silicon and the real like good rubber masks but it still fits onto his face well enough that you can still tell who the heck that guy is yeah and honestly the costumes i mean look it's obviously it's a cheap show Mm. but the costumes are crap the costumes are crap across the board they're they're real they're all like the cheapy foamer like guar had better costumes um, it's just form-fitting these are are, uh uh, like workout clothes mm. and like big lumpy bits that are obviously you know cheap foam or plastic and no they do look like they do from the comics i understand mostly but they're only they look like they look like low-rent cosplay versions i was gonna say they look like the ones you see in the porno parodies yeah they look, Actually, like, the porno parodies look better than this now. Oh well, I guess the porno parodies have like big budgets now. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it, the early days of porno parodies. Yeah. Like no, but this looks like honestly the whole vibe, the whole aesthetic of this mm-hmm. is a fan movie made in two thousand and six. Yeah. Not even now. Now the fan movie would look better. <laughs> but like, just like pretty industrious. Look at this thing. The costumes look more or less right. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a real story here in multiple locations, and mm-hmm. you know, their After Effects are obviously not the first time they've used After Effects. <laughs> so they got a few yeah. few cheap video toaster things, yeah. but also some CGI. Like, like this, they have a, this a, high a, schooler a, might be going places, and then it's just like, oh, this is a CBS pilot. Oh, <laughs> it's not well, even for the late even for the late nineties. This is pretty cheap for TV. It's pretty. It's, it's really cheap for prime time. Yes, I sus- very cheap. For I suspect time. that this was going to be slotted in Saturday mornings. It's an hour if, long show. They didn't do that. Yeah, I know, which is a little odd. If, no, this feels like it was. They were going for prime time. It feels like a, a half hour Saturday morning program, mm-hmm. but it's an hour long prime time show, and that therein lies the problem. <laughs> now, there's a way to do that kind of cheap, silly matinee idol type of hour-long program in prime time, Xena Warrior Princess. Yeah. But Xena Warrior Princess... Also had, had some money in it. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a more lavish production than yeah. this. You, so. don't, you don't feel bad for watching it. You can be like, oh, I'm watching a real show right now. Yeah, like, you know it's silly, but at times it feels like a real show. And like, and this this is, only ever feels really kind of kiddified, yeah. which is fine for superheroes, but eh, it's, fine. It, it's, it's not, not It's not going to get, the. I think, the sort of the late-night audience there needs distracted be, enough. There needs. It's fine if you want to do a silly superhero show. I'm told, there was a time when I wouldn't have been okay with that. 
I was young. <laughs> but there needs to be a line where I can take at least I at least need to be able to take it seriously enough that I care about what's happening. Mm. And back to that hail scene. So the huge clumps of hail, like golf ball sized mm. hail. Uh, for it's, a second, I thought they were actual golf balls, yeah, but that's what it looks like. And they're just pummeling the city. Mm. And then fire flies up with just really bad visual effects. Mm. And she's just stuff like CG stuff is coming out. It doesn't even look like fire. And then in the background, and it's green, which is yeah. weird. Like she has a green costume. Yeah, well, that's from the comics. Flame. Oh, is it? That's from the comics. Oh, jeez. All right. Uh, but in the background, Adam says, and this is this is the best line in the whole series. It's a little ADR. Yeah. Uh, look at fire. She's melting the hailstorm and turning it into rain. And that's the delivery. Yeah, just you can tell but, that John Cassier was given that line, and he knew it sucked. John Cassier, like he's clearly recording that over a phone. It's like, oh no, we forgot a line of dialogue. Can you come in quick? I'm, I'm at dinner with my family. No, no, come in quick, quick. We need one line of yeah. We'll do, we promise we'll do it in one take. Okay, what's my line? What's this important thing? What you want me to explain something that's already being explained visually? Fine. Look at fire. <laughs> Look at fire. She's, She's melting, melting the hailstorm and turning it into rain. Yeah, he's, he's we. <laughs> like it's because it's so redundant. It, There's no need. We well, get and, it. And it's lines like that that make me suspect that this was meant to be like f- maybe for a younger audience because it, uh, you have to kind of spell it out a little bit more clearly. No, I think this was focus grouped. I think someone was confused because yeah. the visual effect was so bad, so they oh, threw so in a line. Dialect. Uh, that's that's my it. theory. Um, in any case, uh, what do we what do we got here? Yeah. Oh, so they they break into uh, the meteorological institute at a big party mm. and. Ray has to go, uh, the Atom uh, has to go uh, in, hack into a computer. And there's a room is of course, got lasers in, like, the wooden door. Mm. And he shrinks down to go underneath the lasers. And even though the laser at that point, at that height, is only, like, maybe six, you know, scale inches, mm-hmm. uh, like, sh- sh- shorter than he is, he limbos. And there's limbo music. Mm. And it's completely unnecessary and dumb. <laughs> and like to the extent where I'm just like, you didn't have to. Why? This is serious business. People could die. Why are have, you limboing? Have a have a, a tense scene. It's okay. Yeah, a modicum of decorum, Adam. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Adam, I forgot to mention this, by the way. Adam is actually a character who has come back onto live action television, played by Brandon Routh. Oh, he's on uh, what you call it, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, right? he started off on Arrow, and now he's on Legends of Tomorrow, and he's he's great. Okay. I, I, I love Brandon Routh. I love he's, the Adam. He's still, still a shrinky guy? Uh, not initially. Originally, he was a guy who had invented like, a big super suit. And mm. uh, they ended up accidentally discovering the uh, shrinking technology. Mm. And he like everyone thought he died. Oh. <laughs> he was actually <laughs> shrunk, and he couldn't figure out how to get himself unshrunk. Oh, that's funny. It was actually a funny storyline. <laughs> um... All right, so, uh, so they break into the party. They yeah. figure out uh, some stuff. some stuff on a computer because yeah. computers. Um, Cheryl, Guy Gardner's girlfriend, shows up at the party because it's the social event of the season at this meteorological institute. <laughs> Miguel Ferrer, like this is a boring city, isn't it? Yeah, the senator who was supposed to show up and talk about funding Miguel Ferrer's research. Miguel Ferrer, by the way, wants to use hurricanes to power cities. Novel. All right, How never many heard of that before. Did, did, did not enough hurricanes. It's a terrible it's idea. Like a hurricane racked city, but we established earlier that's never been a hurricane <laughs> here before. Um, so uh, turns out the senator isn't going to be there. He's not going to make any money, and it turns and and Tory like later in the day 
Ice catches him making a video, and it looks like she's caught him with his pants down, he, like looking at a Victoria's Secret magazine. He's he like, "Oh God, oh you, oh you didn't see? Oh, this is so embarrassing." No, wait, don't come back. I'm not creepy. And, and, and here's the thing: like he, the the way his legs are, like he's not standing straight up. He's like kind of yeah. crouched down. His legs are splayed he's a little got bit. This giant it, look, rig with a VHS camera. And he's holding the him. camera. And it, yeah. He could have his hand down his pants in that like, shot. It, it looks, looks terrible. Yeah. It looks wrong. It plays stupid. Um, and uh, now she realizes that he was the bad guy, that she seeks out the Justice League, Justice League find her again, and they take her into their secret underground lair where the Martian Manhunter has his spaceship. Oh, it's an undersea lair. That's right. It's underground uh, un- and undersea. It's underwater. Yeah. They, they take an elevator down. Yeah. They, they blindfold her, and then they walk her into the elevator. She rides down in the elevator, and then they take off her blindfold, and then the elevator door opens. Why did they blindfold her while she's just in the elevator? Yeah, what is like, she going to learn in there? <laughs> we have all of these posters from the movie theater where this is at. <laughs> and she gets into the spaceship, and the Martian Manhunter is there as Miguel Ferrer. Mm. And I'm like, okay, hang on. We know he's the bad guy, so you're not fooling the audience. Mm. So the only reason you're doing this is to show her... And to freak her out because she knows you're the bad guy. Mm. So then he turns into the man, Martian Manor and says, I can turn into people. Well, and which I was which is even freakier because he turns into a creature. He's this yeah. big, big, puffy green man and, with a cape. And then he turns into a creature and it just says, I was someone in your life for a while betraying you. Isn't that miraculous? Uh, no, it's actually kind of fucked just, up and weird. <laughs> And and uh, but then then she has a, one of the funniest lines of dialogue. He, yeah. he extends his hand and says, "It's nice to meet you. I'm a Martian. I imagine I'm your first alien." And she says, "Well, I met Leonard Nimoy once. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> that was that was that was kind of funny." Um, and then uh, uh, the weather the weatherman just like lasers their ship so well, they can't get out they they steal when they're in the computer lab they steal what they think is the weather widget but it turns out it's a tracking device ah, and the bad guy can figure out where they are and he uses it to target their ship and yeah. he uses a laser from space to heat up their ship and boil them alive I don't want to be that guy who mm. uh, uh, just points out plot holes <laughs> but by this point for the better part of a day mm. the Justice League has known who the weatherman is mm. wh- you know where he works Probably where he lives. And, and they're not they investigating any of that. Just yeah. arrest the motherfucker. <laughs> like, just Sentence. go get him. You don't need to do any of this. Why are you letting, why are you letting him have access to I all have, his gadgets? See, I have, I have a theory that, and you once lent me a comic called uh, GPD. It was about the cops that work in Gotham City. I think it was Gotham Central. But yeah, Gotham it's a great Central. comic. I love that comic. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's like Law and Order. It's really well written. It's, yeah. it's a pity Batman's yeah. in it. Um, well, just, but, it's Law and Order in Gotham City. How, what is it like to be an actual like mm. st- street detective, normal police officer in a city with supervillains in it? Mm. Well... Or in a, in a city with superheroes in it. Yeah, like, and like if, they if, resent Batman, for example. They resent Batman, but if you're a cop in Metropolis and Superman's always taking care of like the big and the small things, the cop, the, the police department after a while has got to like backslide a little bit, start cutting mm. funds. Mm-hmm. Just get, Now, in, in the movie, Police Academy movies, they don't ever say what city they're in. They just say they're Metro PD. Mm-hmm. And my theory is that they work in Metropolis. I know. And they're incompetent because Superman is actually doing the crime fighting in, that, in those cities. That's a great idea. I wish that's, there was some corroborating theory. evidence. <laughs> I wish there was some corroborating evidence. My, the only linking theory is that they say Metro PD and it says just Metropolitan poli- Police. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm guessing that there aren't real good cops because there are superheroes around. Meanwhile, in, in Justice League of America. By the way, meanwhile, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Fire has been fending off the really stalkerish advances 
mm-hmm. of David Krumholtz. Now, who he, I like. One thing I do like is that he's too young for her. He's, like she says he's that. too young, and that explains sort of his stalkery tendencies. Like he doesn't a really, little. he doesn't really know how to to talk to women. Yeah. So he comes on super strong, like and he, he thinks get, that's kind of normal. He gets her gifts, elaborate gifts, yeah. shows up at her house, and like, and and yeah. On one hand, some allowances can be made for youthful naivete. Mm. On the other hand, he is fucking stalking her, and they keep treating it like it's cute. Someone has got to at least say, hey, coming on way too strong. Well, and, and she even says to him, it's like, no, not this. And then he shows up, why are you, and she even says, like, what are you doing at my house? And then he's yeah. like, is that an omelet pan? You know, she, he kind of breaks through defenses for a second and says, no, 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 no. And then, and he, then he gives her some, like, earrings, like, well, thank you, I'll take the earrings just to be polite. And then mm-hmm. she eventually gives them back to That's true. But she wears the earrings in a TV appearance, and so he realizes that she is the superhero fire. Mm-hmm. And he comes to her house and is like, I know, I know you're fire. And it's sort of treated just like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Now I know who you are. You have to date me. And it's actually, like, really kind of fucked up. <laughs> and uh, then Marsha Banhunter shows up as fire to prove mm-hmm. that she's two different people. And he's even like, oh, they, I'm so Even sorry. though they, they look identical and have the same hairdo and yeah. same physique. and their coincidence. You know, Um, and, uh, then David Krumholtz walks away and at first I thought, okay, he's been put in this place and we're not going to deal with it again. And then one of the last things in the show is she's still friends with him. He's dating someone else, but Mm -hmm. he wants her to meet his new dating partner. So he's still weirdly obsessed because clearly he needs her approval for Mm -hmm. the people she she wants to date. Young and naive. Young and naive uh, if, and if needs he, a stern talking. There's a difference between young and naive and young and naive and needs a stern talking. If to. he were... I'm not sure how old David Krumholtz was at the filming. He was pretty He's probably, young. probably in his early 20s, though. I'd say. If the character were maybe 16, make a little bit more sense. Well, it would be even creepier, though, because she's yeah. actually, like, entertaining the notion for a while. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, it's weird and it's mm-hmm. fucked up, and I don't think it. I, I think it's one of the worst romantic subplots we've seen in a while. <laughs> it's it's it is very clumsily handled. Yeah, that's for sure. So anyway, the the weatherman is gonna like attack the city with a tidal wave. Ice freezes the tidal wave. Oh, uh, one of the subplots is she doesn't know how to use her powers on cue. She always yeah. does it by accident, and she figures out in that moment that mm-hmm. she can freeze things. And she saves the city. I don't know what's gonna happen when that fucker and melts. You know, and like, you know it's what? still gonna be a problem. She freezes this wall of ice, this wall of water, and it turns into this wall of ice right in front of her. And her reaction is perfect. She's thrilled. She's just really, really happy. She just sort of smiles and laughs. I did it. And I feel like we don't get these moments of cheery triumph in superhero movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we did it. Yay! We're relieved and happy that we fin- we saved the day. That's one of the things that I actually really liked about the more recent series of The Flash. Mm. Um, it got darker after a while. I actually am way behind. Like I missed like the last third of the last season. I haven't started the new one yet. Mm. Um, but there were those happy moments. There were moments of okay. triumph and heroism in, in, interspersed with mm. enough serious drama that you took it seriously. And boy, was that nice. That was mm. just a really good tone. Supergirl got away with the same thing. Same tone. Yeah, you can have serious storylines and fun characters. Well, it, it's it's not that they're serious; it's that they're trying to be so unflappable all the time. It, yeah. It's the cool that really gets to me. It's like, uh, hey, Good I took point. care of the bad guy. Whatever, I'm gonna go gonna go have a sandwich. You know, it's I, I don't want a whatever. I want a I'm happy. I did. I accomplished something really important here. One of my favorite live action superhero moments ever, mm. ever in any medium. <laughs> is the and it's a generally it's a very good episode the episode where the Flash and Supergirl first meet okay. it's really funny Flash is like testing some new experimental advi- uh, device he ends up on Super uh, Supergirl's dimension uh-huh. and 
he's they immediately run into each other because she sees a super fast person who's like as fast as her mm. and they're like hey what the hell <laughs> <laughs> i'm the fast one and uh they they meet and they just sort of oh you're a superhero this is great and they have a nice conversation and then <laughs> they she like invites all of her like super science nerdy friends to help figure out the problem and they're like so you're super fast like like how fast? <laughs> and he just like blinks out, and there's yeah. this, you got this air cannon to like push everyone's hair out the right, way right, for the right. visual effect. And then the air cannon comes on again, mm. and it comes back, and everyone's got ice cream. <laughs> and Supergirl looks at us, and you're like, "Wow!" Like she looks so happy to have that ice cream. <laughs> like that's like, ooh, that's a neat power you can make ice cream appear. That right there, that is the kind of magical moment I want mm-hmm. when superheroes meet each other. They don't always have to be antagonistic. Some of them will be because they're just different kinds of people. But mm-hmm. like. Can it be kind of neat sometimes? Can they just be friends? It's okay. So then, when when you meet a new yeah. person, like just on the street for the yeah. first time, you're usually okay with them. Yeah, you're just fine. You know, you you want you want rare, to give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't it's you? rare you meet somebody and they just rub you the wrong way right off the bat. You know, it'd be interesting that you see like when you meet new people, mm. you're either friendly, cautious, maybe you're distracted. Mm. Sometimes you're defensive, like you they, they they're off putting and you don't want to hang out with mm. them. Like it's like oh. oh. Coming out a little strong there. I I am not really comfortable. I never see superheroes do that. And I realize that to be a superhero, you have to be a little bit outgoing. A little bit confident, too. You you save people. But just because you're confident in one situation doesn't mean you're confident in all the other situations. And indeed, there are a lot of superheroes who, in their daily lives, are socially awkward. Mm. That's part of the fantasy of being a superhero, is that in in real life, we're all socially awkward. But if you're a superhero, you wouldn't be. I would like to see more superheroes meet each other. And it's just like, oh, Batman. Oh, I don't really believe in his politics. I think I'll just stand over here. Oh, God, he's coming over to talk to me. Hi, I make ice with my fingers. Like, Wouldn't it be great if they just don't have a good rapport? Yeah. It's like, hey, Batman, hey. So you're like like the bat that, yeah, you fell in a cave. Huh. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't know what that's like. Yeah, um, you, you, is that... So like scary. Why are you asking me about the cave? <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, just they, they don't have any sort of like good nothing conversing. To nothing to talk. There's just nothing in common. They don't speak the same way at all. There's just no rapport. That'd be really funny. Love to see that. <laughs> that would be really cool. So anyway, Ice joins the team. Uh, there's a little indication that the weatherman's like going to break out of prison with a little mm-hmm. device he's got, and uh, that's about it for Justice League, really. And and we have a, a glory shot at the end of them walking all yeah. abreast in their costumes. It's kind of a glory shot. It looks like the last shot at the end of uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Like it's yeah, just them yeah. like walking through a, an industrial park, <laughs> which is fine. Oh. Um, I saw this initially, probably the early 2000s, Mm. and at the time, I hated it. And I (laughs) hated it because, a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's very cheap. Uh, It's it's incredibly cheap. Yeah, it's... it's, Like, like to its detriment. I was glad it didn't get picked up the series at the time because it would have done a disservice to live-action superhero stuff just because of how cheap it looked. Mm. Um, It would have become another punchline, and we didn't need that at the time. Um... I also didn't like it because it was, um, it got some things wrong. Like Martian Manhunter talks about how a 300 degree day is a day at the beach for him, even mm. though in the comics, heat is his weakness. So it's just uh, like, you didn't read that. That's you, you didn't have to write that line. You could have just not had that line. I don't get it. But that's neither here nor there. There's a couple other like continuity errors in the comics, just characters acting completely out of the character, their power is mm. wrong. I don't care about that right now. <laughs> um, ultimately... I, I wish this show had been snappier. 
I think if the writing it's had been him. sharper, mm. and I think honestly, I think some of the casting is not great. Uh, the guy who plays Barry Allen, he's affable, and I know he didn't get much to work with, but he's not bringing enough to it. And the, that's the Flash. That's like one of the main characters. That's like one of the most recognizable the, characters you have. You got to bring that. B- both the I think both the Barry I think Barry Allen was supposed to be like David Schwimmer. I think and, it was supposed to be Matt LeBlanc. Oh, I was going to say Green Lantern's like Matt LeBlanc. No, I think Green Lantern is supposed to be... Uh, Matthew Perry? Matthew Perry. I think that was how that was supposed to work. Because he's supposed to be... Because Matt, Matt LeBlanc's like the handsome kind of yeah, act, but actor type, right? But he's also the dopey type. And okay. Matthew Perry was the smart aleck. And mm-hmm. they even have lines about... Like, The Flash has bits about how, I don't have a thing. Like, all I got is, is I'm fast. Like, mm-hmm. Ray, you're super smart. And you can, you know, he has this weird accent. But like, uh, and it's like, you're super smart. You can teach any class. Well, you're great. Yeah, about a thing. And, uh, uh, guy, <laughs> and Guy, Guy Gardner, you got the gift of gab. Yes, he says that. You got the gift of gab. Uh-huh. You, could, you could sell ice to Eskimos. There is literally no evidence in the show that, I, that Guy Gardner can do ha- that. Has the gift of gab. Like, yeah. he's a charming guy. Yeah, he's, he can't even convince his girlfriend to give him another shot. Mm-hmm. Like, which is fine because he doesn't deserve one. <laughs> He's being very secretive, and I totally get what she doesn't want to be with him. But. So the, those those two kind of stink, but the other four I think are fine. I think okay. I think David Eggenstiers has plenty of gravitas as this creepy alien lord. He doesn't actually... have enough to do. Like he's actually not in the episode that yeah, much. Yeah, well so he's he's clearly not... he's clearly the Charlie and the Justice League are his angels in this setup. Fair enough. Um, but Fire Ice and the Atom are all actually kind of interesting characters played by interesting actors at yeah. the very least. Maybe not interesting characters. Like they're, they're okay. They're not like, hugely textured, but they have something to work with. I, I like. Uh, uh, um, oh God, I forgot her name. Hang on a second. Uh, Michelle Michelle Hurd, who plays uh, a fire. Mm-hmm. She clearly has a lot of charm, and I and I really feel bad that she was trapped in this very stock very awkward romantic storyline because it's very clear she could do more than that. Mm. Uh, John Cassier is. Really good, but he's let down by like just some lame visual effects, and also like a character who has some really, really dumb. Even at the time, mm. the guy who was worried about n- and never meeting anyone because he's too nice. Shut mm. up. <laughs> he, he, Ice even tells him to his face, "Nice can be sexy," uh-huh. and he won't shut up about it. Shut up. <laughs> it's not. It's not healthy. You're, you're, that's mm. not a good. That's not a good way to go. You're, you're a superhero. Be a be an icon. Be a be a beacon. <laughs> Give them, give them help. Give them help. <laughs> Be a beacon. Be a beacon. <laughs> um, and then, and then, but honestly, I, that, that, I actually, that's, that's us quoting the movie Sneakers for the thousandth time. One of our favorite movies. But honestly, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, Kimberly Oya, who mm. plays Ice. I really like her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. And she's actually the one person who has like she has a lot to work with. She's a character with a lot of insecurities. Again, also, she, she's kind of the avatar for the audience in this episode. So yeah, she, but know, she's got a lot we're of with inse- her a lot more. She's got a lot of insecurities. Uh, even when she has power, mm-hmm. um, she is presented with a lot of crazy stuff, and she keeps her head, even when she, though she gets to react to it reasonably. Uh, she has a few good gags here mm-hmm. or there. I mean, again, the writing really isn't that sharp, unfortunately, but like she's she is good mm-hmm. in this. Like, I, there are a lot of things I like about this. It just does not come together. Mm-hmm. It, the, the the show is clearly. Not ready for prime time, or it, it, it even feels, or even Saturday matinee. I'm sorry, this would not have lasted. It, it feels like like a, a draft, like they're on their way to something. Yeah, and, and I feel like if they had a chance to not necessarily take what we had to series, but polish this one, do it again, and then take that version to series, we might have had something kind of fun. I love this version of the Justice League in the comics, mm-hmm. and if you ever get a chance to read. Um, there were a couple of miniseries they did maybe 10 years ago. Mm. They're, all, they're in trade. You should be able to find them pretty easily. 
trying to remember which one came first. It's uh, uh, formerly known as the Justice League, and I can't believe it's not the Justice League. And it was oh, after geez, after Batman and Superman, after all of these, the great heroes took over the Justice League again, all of these cast asides mm. come back and they like try to build themselves up as a small business. <laughs> and I think they even try to argue about calling themselves the Super Friends for a while. Like, it's really funny. Oh, that's like, funny. it's a very, very funny series. I, I know it's happened in certain comic book series before, but how it, it needs to happen more often where people try to steal superheroes brands. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm also... No, I'm Batman now. I know that's no. happened to Spider-Man before. Yeah. There was a really funny... Oh God, it's a long time ago. There was a really funny uh, issue of Batman, Superman, World's Finest. There was, like, this team-up comic mm. that was just Batman and Superman. And it opened with this big, like, moment, this big scene of Batman and Superman on a, on the top of a building. And Batman finally opening up Superman about what happened to him. Mm. And he takes off his mask, and he's blonde. And he was just like, yeah, that's... And that's when uh, the, the criminal beat my parents to death with a bat. Mm. That's why I took bats and made them into a symbol that <laughs> right. could be strike fear into the hearts of it. And there's Batman and Superman like watching this movie being made <laughs> from afar. Because like, we can't tell them the truth, but god damn it! <laughs> That's really funny. It's a funny yeah, see, bit. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often, because you know people would do that. If there mm. was actually a Batman, there'd be People who do it accurately, people who take the name but do a different costume. There'd be like the world of Batman. There was a really there, there should be a superhero comic universe where all of the superhero characters are the same character. Like different people are the same character. I don't get it. Like there's like it's the DC universe and there's hundreds of characters, but they're all Batman. <laughs> this is a stupid idea. That's there a great idea. Here's, here's an idea that I, I thought was really interesting, and mm-hmm. it was probably too high concept for its own good because it's been completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel came up with a series of I think it was one shots of the idea is this. There's a bunch of superheroes in the Marvel Universe, and no one has copyrighted their name because it had to put their real name down on a sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. So there are probably comic books about these superheroes in the Marvel Universe that get right. everything wrong. Well, that that was one of the conceits in Logan earlier this year, that there yeah. were X-Men comics that were only like only based on pieces of the truth, as he points out. So there was this idea, there was this like Spider-Man one-shot where it was like, written or published by J. Jonah Jameson where Spider-Man was this horrible nightmare horror villain. <laughs> and it was a really funny idea, I thought. Why not? Um, so wh- uh, what about you? Are you saying this was... Because I'm saying this was not canceled too soon. Uh, this was, it was a fun idea, but badly done. I'm so done. on the fence because I enjoyed watching this, but I can see every one of its flaws in stark relief. So um, I'm going to say... Uh, yeah, I'm going to say yes. It was canceled too soon. Really? Yeah. Like, I, I think they would have maybe had this gone to series, maybe they would have gotten a better budget and mm-hmm. f- sort of found a way to polish it up a little bit. Shot a new pilot. I've, I've seen a lot of pilots that are actually cheaper than the show themselves and sure. actually get slicker as it goes along. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think if, if this had a chance to get slicker, maybe would have focused a little bit. Well, I definitely would have, uh, would have liked to have seen that. And mm-hmm. if anyone ever wants to do, I can't believe it's not the Justice League as a TV series. You want to try it again? Mm. I want to see that. Well, unfortunately, we have the feature film now, and I, I have well, a feeling they're going for a different tone. But what they are doing, and I'm glad, because initially, all the reports I heard from behind the scenes were that uh, DC and Warner Brothers wanted the any superhero showed up on TV not mm. to be in a live-action movie. Just yeah. to keep them separate. No confusion. Mm. And, of course, now we have The Flash. And it's my understanding that they've calmed that a bit. And they're okay. allowing, they think people will, can understand that this is one reality, this is another reality. Hey, maybe we can do a crossover someday, who knows? But mm. this is what we're doing. And uh, I think so be okay. The Flash, Barry Allen is The Flash, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, and Barry Allen is The Flash in this new, the newest TV series. Yes. Uh, is Barry Allen also The Flash in Justice League, the feature film? 
Yes. It's the same Barry Allen. Well, yes and no, but yeah. yeah okay. I mean, not the like same it's, actor. It's the same character, though. It's the same basic character, yeah. Okay. It's but there, not, are, there have been other Flashes. Wally okay. West has been the Flash. Um, oh, I know there's like an anti-Flash who like dresses in yellow. There's a couple of different Flashes yeah. like that. There was Zoom. There was the Reverse Flash. <laughs> Which I always thought was a great name. <laughs> the reverse flag. He's a statue. Yeah. <laughs> just a, just oh, no, that was the turtle. <laughs> there was a villain called the turtle who oh. was so slow that the Flash couldn't see him. <laughs> Comic books are stupid. Well, that, was, that was from the Silver Age. A lot of them were really stupid in the 60s. Um, sorry uh, if there's uh, a no. loud gardening yeah. equipment outside. Sorry, we can't control uh, everything in our neighborhood. Um, can't we? No. All right. We literally can't. We literally can't. Well, that's that's the Justice League. Yeah, that's the first <sighs> show we're doing on the Justice Month of Justice. We'll see how this pilot uh, stacks up against the feature film. Yeah, that's coming there, out in a couple weeks. We haven't seen it yet. There's no way the film could be better than this. Oh, how? <laughs> Honestly. Um, we're going to have more DC superhero shows mm. uh, throughout the month, uh, the whole month. Yes. Some of them you've heard of. Mm-hmm. Some of them you might have seen. At least one... I'm willing to bet most people don't remember. It was yes. on for a while, and people are like, oh, that was a thing, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> I found out, I'm like, oh, we have to put this in Justice Mother Justice. Like, it's, mm. I mm. cannot wait to check it out. Um, so th- we got that going on. We also have our new podcast, Critically Acclaimed, coming out in a week. That's right. That debuts on the 12th mm-hmm. of November, which is a Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to be reviewing the new films, including Justice League. Yep. Uh, also... Uh, the other films that open that week. Uh, and we gonna... currently have, as of this recording, mm-hmm. a poll on uh, the critically acclaimed or the Schmoville uh, Facebook page. Yeah. If you can, you can go to the Schmoville uh, Facebook page and vote in our critically acclaimed polls to uh, decide uh, the film we're going to review as part of our gimmick. Yeah. Uh, our gimmick is you mm-hmm. get to vote for a really notoriously bad movie that we're going to review every single week, and we're going to pair that with a good movie and make an interesting double feature out of it and really sort of elevate the bad movies and bring the good movies down to the bad movies level a little <laughs> bit. Um, and uh, we're also at the end of every month, we're going to review an entire franchise, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Everything uh, within it. If it's a, if we has a whole spinoff franchise, we'll cover that separately. But it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> We're yeah. looking forward to it because that's what we do. That's what so, we do for you people. And you can vote on both the uh, one vote for what franchise uh, you want us to cover. Uh, that one's already over, actually. Oh, okay. that, that poll, that was a runaway. Oh. Airbud won that, like, real fast. Like, there's no catching up to it. So we're going to be reviewing the Airbud movies, but and that's go, only once a month. But if you go to um, the Facebook poll right now, mm-hmm. uh, you can vote for what bad movie we're going to do for the first episode. Right now, as of recording, Battlefield Earth is in the lead, but it's by no means set in stone. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot of other options as but well. But come come back on the twelfth and see if you didn't even if yeah. you didn't vote, come back on the twelfth and listen. Uh, uh, that's going to be at the uh, SK Plus Network. You can mm. hear it on YouTube. That is very loud. <laughs> you can hear that on uh, the SK Plus Network. It's also you can get it on iTunes and you can listen to it on YouTube uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you want to write into that, uh, we're gonna we've set up a separate uh, account for people who want to maybe uh, write in some letters. For, for Critically Acclaimed, we're going to be a little bit more selective with letters than we have been in the past. Previously, we've had uh, we wanted to read every letter we got in its entirety. <laughs> and as wonderful as that is, and we're still going to do that sometimes, mm. um, it led to a constant backlog. And it really, really yeah, messed us up. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to read as much as we can, but there may come a time when we only, have to, we only get to read like a part of your email that we can talk about with other people, or uh, uh, if it's redundant like if it's a topic we've just covered with someone else's letter mm. we might just give you a shout out and then move on 
Um, we'll do the best we can, but mm-hmm. we have to be practical because that show is only going to air once a week. We can't do as many bonus episodes to catch up right. as we used to. And we want to stay a little bit more topical than we had exactly, before. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, it, it helps if you write a nice short letter as well. Mm-hmm. We really want to encourage you. We want you to you know say, say what you have to say. Yeah, but it yeah, takes if, a while by all means. If, if you have just a brief question or a brief comment, um, we'll read that for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We'll yeah. read that and it's started. But if you write us something long, we may have to start making some tough decisions. So or, or fair if warning. It, or if it's just like, like a, a quick top ten list without explanations or just a quick question, those will we'll, we'll definitely read some of those. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but you can also write us at this uh, uh, podcast. It's canceled too soon at gmail.com. We get a lot of people suggesting mm-hmm. shows. We put all of those on the ever-growing list, which <laughs> we will never ever catch up to, but we're doing our best. And we keep discovering new shows. Oh have, my you, God. have you heard of the sex box? No! I just discovered the sex box. What the fuck is the sex box? It was a relationship advice show that was actually started in England, and there's also an American version, Uh. where a couple with relationship problems would come on, talk about their problems, they'd be ushered into a box, and they'd have sex in the box. Can we... Is the box translucent? No, the box is is completely open. Well, how do we know they're, they can just make the noises? Uh, yeah, there's no mic or anything. We just know they're. Ha- I would just like we b- just hit up against the walls. We know there's sexin in that box. What a weird premise! It's a sexin box, and and they're post coital bliss. They come out in their pajamas or you know whatever smoking po- a cigarette. Yeah, whatever it is, and in that state, they would discuss their relationship problems live in front of a studio audience. That is so tawdry. We have to review that. <laughs> if we can even track that down, because that sounds terrible. That's, that's a terrible idea for a show. That's so sleazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And there are two versions of it. There's a British and an American version of, this, of Sex Box. Jesus Christ. Why? And they just called it Sex Box. They didn't just call it like, you know, can- it canub- the Canubial Bliss or like, something. Where, where, no, it's just like regular primetime, like family channel, I imagine. That is, ABC that is, Family. That is a... That is one hell of a pick. <laughs> I don't want to be in the room where that's getting picked. Like, I would be like, get out. Just get out. That's a terrible idea. Get out. I don't care. I don't I don't care what else you got for us. Breaking bad sounds stupid. Get out. See this box. <laughs> I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> See this box? This is the sex box. Get, get out. out. Get out of my office. Get out right now. So once you bring in a sex box, I want you out of my office. And next time don't wear sweatpants. Holy crap. Do we have uh, uh, some letters? We, we have, have some letters. Uh, okay. Here's a letter from Laura. Okay. Hello, Laura. Hi, Laura. Um, the title is, Thank You for Making My Year Suck a Little Less. Oh, oh I'm glad we, 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 we try to take away suck and give you not suck. Um, your guys reading my email at the end of Cliffhangers really made my year. Yay! Anyway, I have a question for both of you. Have you ever seen a commercial for an upcoming TV show and thought, that won't last one season? Oh, we, we actually get this question kind of frequently. We do. Um, I admit, I thought that uh, seeing commercials for Imaginary Mary and various other shows over the years, I've been wrong sometimes, but those will get canceled after season two. Another question, is it just me or does ABC cancel a lot of its shows? I swear, every time I look, I see an article about ABC canceling another show after only one season. Are those ratings for those shows really that bad or do they become too expensive to produce? Thank you for all the hard work you guys do with watching these seemingly awful shows. Uh, both. Honestly, both yeah. is a factor. It's, it's mm. mostly about advertising. If ratings are good, but they can't get the advertising or they're not hitting the right demo. Uh-huh. There's a lot of shows that actually do well, but they don't do well in the demo that the network is looking for. Mm. Um, and so they, they get canceled. Uh, a lot of kids' shows get canceled because they're not selling enough merchandise, even though the show is getting ratings, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where more of the money is coming mm. in. Um, but when it comes down to watching like previews for shows and going, yeah, that's not going to last, we all have a hit-or-miss ratio on that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I saw all the trailers for The Good Doctor, and I'm just like, I don't... I actually didn't even see the trailers. I just saw posters. Uh-huh. And then I was just like, I see no reason to see that. 
<laughs> he's a good doctor. Great. Good. We need more good doctors. And apparently it's great. And I haven't seen it yet. So I, I hear it's I, amazing. I have to admit, I was a, a, only a little, but only a little bit surprised when they announced the second season for Star Trek Discovery. I, yeah. I really thought it was like, a, and it's going to be this big budget thing. And people, you know, fans are really rallying. Behind, oh, people just aren't interested. It's there's just going to close. But they're going to do a second season. There's this one. billboard right outside. Mm-hmm. uh, uh well, not right outside our house, but like a couple of blocks down from the block where we both live. Hmm. And uh, it's it was for a new show called uh, Wisdom of the Crowd. Uh-huh. And it just had a couple of actors' faces <clears throat> staring <throat> off camera, and it said Wisdom of the Crowd. And I'm like, I have literally no idea what that is. Nothing about that hmm. advertising tells me what that is. And when I finally looked it up, it's about people who crowdsource crime fighting on social media. And I'm like... That's a stupid. How do you get a show out of that? <laughs> like in like reality show type? No, or? like oh, like okay. it's actually like oh, I'm a I'm a rich Facebook billionaire and I'm gonna use my fake Facebook to catch criminals. So haha, here's the most wanted poster for a guy who's loose in New York right now. Find him, my acolytes. And I'm like, that's a terrible idea. How sad is it that that's our our superhero fantasy involves not getting up from our computer? I'm gonna yeah. be a superhero, but it, I luckily I can just stay here and surf the web. Yeah, and- so I get like a, I get like an alert on my phone. Oh, there he is. Click. Like, that's not great. Right, look, look, I'm a superhero. But, like, oftentimes, that's usually when I say a show won't last. Sometimes just because it looks cheap or, or bad. But mm. usually I think to myself, how does this? How do you get more than one season out of this? Uh-huh. Like, uh, that show Blindspot uh, with um, Jamie Alexander, I think is her name. Mm. Um, I watched the pilot. It was good. But I remember thinking to myself, I don't see this lasting because I don't understand how many seasons you can get out of her tattoo is a clue. <laughs> like, how many clues, how many, ta- I know she has a lot of tattoos, but mm. seriously, every episode, this is it? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's. I feel like you're going to run out after, like, at least two seasons, right? I feel like you're going to, the well's going to mm. run dry. I guess it's doing fine. Well, I mean, we, we already reviewed the 100 lives of Blackjack Savage. After he runs out of 100 lives, what do you do? Now he's got to keep being a jerk. I guess he's so. He's got to find out it gets reset. The, the, the 100 lives of the next yeah. ghost pirate. Yeah. Again, it doesn't mean, like, I think it's a bad idea. I just Sometimes I just don't see how you get a long show out of right. it. Like, maybe that'd be a better movie than a mm, show. Yeah. I don't know. What do you got? Here is a letter from Omar. Hi, our, Omar. Our, our listener in Qatar. Oh, cool. Hi. Yeah. Hey, uh, dear Bibbs and Whitney. I always get a kick out of listening to you guys read pitches on air. George White is a mad genius. <laughs> That's true. George White is one of our biggest fans. He writes our longest letters and has the cleverest ideas and knows... Way e- too much. Way too much about obscure British television history. Like, if anything ever happens to us, we should just bequeath him the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's our Robin. Oh, God, we gave him ideas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, don't kill us. Don't kill us. Uh, anyway, I thought I'd get it, uh, get in on the fun and pitch my own version of Joan of Arcadia. <laughs> nice. Let's do it. Uh, our show follows Joan, a homeless veteran living on the streets of Arcadia, California. When one day God appears to her and reveals she is the reincarnation of Joan of Arc. One of God's fiercest warriors. Lucifer is trying to open the gates of heaven. So she, that's right. She in my story, God and Lucifer are sisters, because why not? Uh, can go home. Joan must stop Lucifer and her evil horde from opening the gates. She's joined in her quest by Robin Merchant, her old sergeant, played by Dina Meyer, and Delilah, a lovable runaway. Also played by Dina Meyer. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Everyone's Dina Meyer. Uh, Character breakdowns. Joan is a Lebanese-American and a Muslim. She is a hero even if she sometimes pretends otherwise. Hmm. Robin, bored and bitter. She's a soldier without a mission before Joan shows up. She is dating Lucy. Lucy is Lucifer. (gasps) What? <laughs> they call her Lucy. Oh shit! And she enjoys being evil <laughs> and butt stuff. Really? Like like sodomy? 
Really? Well, he's Sodom, I suppose. City I guess. Of Sodom, so I got bit, uh, falls in <laughs> falls in line a little bit, bit. I guess it's a bit brash. Uh, why be the devil if you're not gonna have fun? <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> Grace. Grace is God. Wow. Grace is God, but she is she is warm but aloof. Kind of what you would expect God to be like. And Delilah is an optimist. She is kind and loving and wants to help people. Maybe she knows Joan from the mosque. One more thing. Joan's knockout punch is her ability to summon summon heavenly armor and a sword that allows her to walk again and ups her fighting skills to, like, 11. (laughs) (laughs) The sword also acts as a sort of a GPS pin for a heavenly payload, a giant blast of heavenly energy. I I call all of that beast mode. It takes a lot of energy, so she shouldn't do it all the time. Wow, the, the, the sink is running all by itself. How strange. Uh, anyway, lo- uh, anyway, guys, I love your podcast. Please do Sweet Vicious this September. Oh, well, we did that. Well, we did so, it, so that's great. Thank you, Omar. All right, we'll do one uh, or two more. Here's a, a letter from Daniel. Hi. Hi, Daniel. Hi, guys. I really enjoyed the episode on uh, the show's Doubt and Emerald City. I watched the first two episodes of Doubt and begrudgingly watched the full season of Emerald City. Begrudgingly. Yeah. Uh, with Emerald City, a friend of ours was visiting from out of town. She was really excited about this show. We started watching and then just sort of kept going, even though I was getting very annoyed with the show. I think it was very striking through, uh, although much of it looked more like Game of Thrones than The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. My main problem was that I just didn't like Dorothy. She was just broody and sullen through the whole thing. I don't know if a different actress may have helped or if she was directed to be like this, but she was really uninteresting. Also, she had some kind of accent that was definitely not from Kansas. I agree that the lack of humor made the show dull. Uh, One point on doubt, I think that the cannibal episode, depending on how it was presented, could have been more about um, more could have been about more than just thought crimes. If it is known that someone fantasizes about eating her coworkers, that would create a hostile, hostile work environment, for instance. And indeed, that was yeah. uh, brought up on the show a bit. I was and, focusing on the defense. And but and yeah, he says, uh, keep up the good work, Daniel. Yeah, the, Dorothy, it, I, don't know, I don't think it was the actor. I don't mm. think it was uh, even the direction. I think it was the writing. She was given too little to do. Mm. She was given a very stock, uh, tragic romance, and she was just sort of ushered from place to place thrown into adventures the other characters had way more interesting storylines going on yeah, so that's yeah, basically yeah. what it boiled down yeah. to that's something it was kind of neat but yeah Do- and that's dorothy for goodness sake yeah uh, one more letter oh that's the last one okay this one comes from topher hello topher hi greetings masters of the doomed Ooh. because we've covered doomed shows that's true. we are masters of the doomed i buy it we need masters of the doomed t-shirts i'm fine with that uh i hope all is well with you thank you for all the fine work you do thank you ah conviction <laughs> what a hot mess I, I watched this series every episode hoping it would either get better or sleazier and it never got either where to start Haley Hatwell is horribly miscast I agree I simply don't believe that she is a drug snorting bisexual party machine she tries to sell it she doesn't Eddie Cahill is about as sexy a love interest as a bowl of ramen without the spice packet <laughs> This is what she's so conflicted about? No. And seriously, in the scene where she's going to seduce Eddie Cahill and he's getting hot and heavy with Ilfenesh uh, Hadera, the uh, mm-hmm. romantic rival character, uh, who's supposed to have, be, who have been her ex, uh, who she got, gets all turned on by, and Hayes, who supposedly walks around the office naked and hooks up with waiters <laughs> with all, the only concern that she doesn't give a bad rating. She doesn't even suggest a threesome? <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, even just to make the two of them feel conflicted, I'm not buying this character. Sean Ashmore nails it, but in a better show, this character would have way more would be way more backstabby. Marin Dungy's character is a pill popping cliche. 
Emily Kinney's character needs to go back to junior high and grow up. Seriously, how did she get through the job interview without bursting into guilty tears? She was the the young like hot young blonde hotshot who is mm. like kind of a had a, a kind of a dark backstory, but was yeah really kind of a she, he didn't like how what a weakling she was. Mm. They have to have a variety of characters. And if Manny Montana's character was half the forensics genius they play him as, he'd never have gotten sent to prison in the first place. Well, well he, to, he, to be fair, he learned forensics in prison. Yeah. Yeah. He, Which is actually like a very uh, similar storyline to what happened in the show we reviewed that doubt. Mm. Where there was a protagonist in the law firm or in the office who went to jail, learned firsthand the horrors of the justice system, mm. and decided to become an expert mm. in the legal system on one level or another mm. to fight that. It's a good idea for character. Yeah. Daniel Franzese is the only shining light in this bowl of goop and he doesn't get nearly enough screen time. And the premise of five days? Question mark, question mark. Nope, it yeah. needs to go. Topher. Okay, and we've got uh, a delightful... Uh, uh, <laughs> this is a good noisy episode. This is a good episode mm-hmm. for everyone doing uh, doing stuff with large machinery outside the window. <laughs> Thank you! Anyway, I think we should sign out now. I think we should sign out. Holy God! Um, Before listen, they come in and get us. Everybody, thank you very much for listening to Cancel Too Soon. We will be back next week with a review of one of our most requested shows, the live-action early 90s version of The Flash, as Justice Month of Justice continues. Uh, and uh, also, again, don't forget, November 12th on the Schmoes No uh, uh, iTunes feed and also the SK Plus Network, uh, you can listen to critically acclaimed our new movie review show. Mm-hmm. You can go to the Schmoville facebook fan page vote on episodes of that show you can get directly involved with that you can email that show critically acclaimed fans at gmail.com critically acclaimed at gmail.com was taken <laughs> so critically I'll, critically acclaimed fans yeah i i I, fu- I thought it was somewhat presumptuous but like everything else i came up with was taken mm. so this is the best we got i'm sorry about that but uh, again write us in uh uh we're gonna have you know, a little less time, real estate to read every single letter. So uh, I, I recommend keeping mm-hmm. on the short side if you're one who likes to write long letters. But if it it's worthy, if it warrants the time, we will, of course, read your letter. Um, and uh, thank you very much. We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash cancel too soon. That's right, we are. And we, we got a lot of sexy Patreon subscribers, don't we? They're so great. They're the best human beings. Mm. Ever. Oh, and uh, we don't hype it enough. I'm actually wearing one of the Cancel Too Soon t-shirts right That's now. That's right. We have uh, on, uh, nothing else. on Public. we have Cancel Too mm-hmm. Soon shirts. And if you subscribe on our highest tier, uh, you do get free shirts. And uh, we'll add more new designs at uh, some point mm. in the near future. But uh, right now we do have a, a variety. Um, and th- that's it, basically. So uh, we're on Twitter at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, we will see you next week on not one but two podcasts. Hmm. And that is a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season. Thank you.